Last year, I had the opportunity to list my Montecito guest house on Airbnb. This was part of a special project that Airbnb spearheaded to build connection and to make the world feel a little less lonely. It was such a pleasure to get to know my Airbnb guests over dinner and share my home with them so that they could rest and recharge on their trip. But typically, the beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Being a host on Airbnb is great for those who travel frequently, have extra space, or own a seasonal home. If you've stayed at an Airbnb, you know the unique experience it offers. And now you can share that same experience with others in addition to earning additional income on the side. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. When you are pioneering anything or introducing new ideas to the culture, you get criticized. You do? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about that? <laughs> I didn't find the one. I found someone I respected and we made it the one. In the sort of longing kind of view of love, people understand each other as if by magic. Nothing in itself is addictive on the one hand. On the other hand, everything could be addictive if there's an emptiness in that person that needs to be filled. I now know that nobody changes until they change their energy. And when you change your energy, you change your life. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations. Because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Here we go. Today, I'm sharing a conversation that I had last year with my psychotherapist, the brilliant Barry Michaels. My team asked me to post this chat now as we've all found the tools that Barry shares in to be remarkably helpful. If you don't know Barry, he's the co-author of The Tools and Coming Alive. Barry has a tool for everything, including how to regulate our thoughts, how to prepare for getting triggered, and how to process our emotional wounds. Today, you'll learn his three-point plan for coping with negativity. Barry explains how he helps people harness their potential, find inspiration, and be of service. So let's get to my conversation with the wonderful Barry Michaels. How are people coping? I mean, there's so much fear and anxiety, and for, for me, what I'm finding really difficult are you know, as a person who feels like, okay, I have agency in my life and I have, you know, authority in my house and at work. And what I'm noticing is that this whole experience brings up such a crazy feeling of powerlessness. And because I'm not, it's not something that I'm personally used to feeling, I'm not noticing the ways in which like I'm getting tense or it's almost like I don't want to you know, it's like I, I find myself not creating enough space to really just feel what's going on and, and to talk about it. It's like almost like a, a reaction to not having control. You know, you just sort of, I don't know, you know, I'm a specialist in denial. So <laughs> how's that working for you now? Not that well. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to deny. Well. Yeah. Look, I think everybody shares that initial reaction the reactions are going to be different depending on your personality. You know, when I, when I hit a crisis, I immediately get really angry and really depressed. (laughs) 
that's just my go-to, you know, for someone else, it might be fear or something else. But what I found was that as soon as I turned the corner and started to realize that people needed me, I began to give more. And I think that's a key to recovering and dealing with the crisis, which is human beings are at their best when there's an outflow of positive energy rather than when they're looking for some sort of comfort or reassurance from the outside world, because we experience ourselves as having something to give when, when we're giving. Mm -hmm. And what I found was that the more I gave to my patients in response to their questions, the more able I was, in fact, it happened really quickly over about three days, mm -hmm. I was able to articulate an entire three-point program for dealing with the crisis, which I've found to be pretty much universally applicable. It's simple, but it's kind of like guideposts that you can hold on to in the midst of so much uncertainty and so much fear and such a radical change in our lifestyle over such a short period of time. Can you share it? Yeah. No, I'm not. <laughs> Sorry. I'm keeping it for my $29.99. Look, it's based on the idea that in all adversity, we find an opportunity to inspire ourselves and others. And this crisis is no exception. So there are these three things that you can do to harness your, your potential. And conveniently, these same three things will help you just stop losing your mind, which is, I think, what we're all sort of going through. Every single, each of the three things involves some form of self-regulation or self-mastery. It's a way of overcoming the worst part of yourself. And there's a quote by Leonardo da Vinci, which I love because it just expresses this really well. He says, you will never have a greater or lesser dominion than that over yourself. The height of a person's success is gauged by his self-mastery the depth of his failure by his self-abandonment. Wow. Meaning that if you abandon yourself to your worst tendencies, this is going to be hell. If you master those worst tendencies, you're going to find yourself inspired in ways that you never anticipated. So these are the th three things that need to be regulated during how the do you crisis. Master, how do you master your worst tendencies? Practice. You got to practice over and over and over again. And you know? what, are, what are the tools to do that? So there are three areas where you have to master yourself. The first is how you spend your time. Okay. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, at some point, this crisis is going to be over. And the people who are going to own the world at that point are the people who use their time productively now during the crisis. Whatever it is you've ever wanted to do with your life, do it now. You're never gonna have this time again, this much time on your hands. <clears throat> so whether it's writing a screenplay or working on a business plan or connecting with people you haven't connected with in a long time, if you can't think of anything that you wanna do, then just be of service to other people. Check up on your neighbors. Love, give love and reassurance to the people around you. Whatever it is, if you, if you make use of your time now, 
you will find yourself being much more productive. I'll, I'll tell you in my own case, again, after the first reaction of depression and anger, as I began to articulate this program to my patients, I actually found myself writing at my computer for longer than I've ever written in my life because I was just so inspired by the stuff that was coming out of me. And that has to do with being connected to your unconscious. The more you create time to be productive, the more your unconscious responds and brings up energy and ideas that you wouldn't otherwise be in touch with. So you'll find yourself feeling more grounded, more rooted, and more creative at the same time. So that's the first one, which is use your time productively. The second time is, the second thing is regulate your thoughts. You have to regulate what you allow and disallow in your mind. For most people, they are allowing their minds to become just a cesspool of negativity. What if we run out of food? Oh my God, I lost so much money in the stock market. I, my throat is scratchy. Do I have coronavirus? That, what we're doing is creating a compulsive negative loop. And that negative loop sabotages us. It actually makes it impossible for us to do the first thing I wanted you to do, which is take constructive action, because all of that negativity creates an image of the universe that's against you that's actually trying to kill you, or at least damage you in a lot of ways. Who's gonna be more willing to take productive action, the person who's clearing their minds of all that negativity or the person who's mired in that, in that negativity? Clearly the former and not the latter. So you have to change the way you think, and it's not as easy as you think it is. You know, I don't think it's easy. It's not, yeah. Most people, at least if they've read The Power of Positive Thinking, they think, well, you just substitute a positive thought for whatever negative thoughts you have. But if you've ever actually tried to do that, you discover a kind of nasty little secret, which is negative thoughts have much more power than positive thoughts. That voice of doom in your head has tremendous power. And it's an interesting digression. If you're interested, we can get into it. But that has a lot to do with the scientific worldview that the modern age has adopted, which is that life is nothing more than an endless struggle for survival. How can, <laughs> how can you have a positive worldview you know, <laughs> when that's the ground base of your existence? So you need something more than positive thoughts in order to change that negative loop that you're in. And what you need actually is to create an experience for yourself, an experience of a universe that is constantly giving you things, constantly supporting you in ways that you just take for granted. And the weird thing is that you don't have to actually believe that there's something greater than you giving you things. I learned this tool when I was an atheist and I have taught it to many, many skeptics. It's effective because it actually goes beyond what you believe into the realm of experience. If you can actually experience something greater than you giving you things, then you can relax and your mind can stop spinning with all the negativity. How do so you just, experience that? Well, it's, I'll give you the tool. Um, okay. But to use the tool, you have to kind of think in advance of some things that you're grateful for. Okay. So. I'll tell you the things that I think of. The fact that 
we all see and hear and touch and smell and simultaneously our brain and nervous system processes all of the information that we're receiving and not only processes it, but organizes it into a coherent, organized view of the world. To me, that's a miracle. I mean, the human brain is the most complex organism in the entire universe. It's a miracle that it works the way it does. We don't even completely understand how it works. I'm grateful for my brain, okay? So the, the, the brain is one? Yeah, the brain is one. The fact that there's incredible beauty to the world, you know, the fact that in Los Angeles we can see the Pacific Ocean, we can see snow-capped mountains, the stars at night. About a week or two ago, I woke up early and I went outside and I saw this rainbow that stretched all the way from the Santa Monica Mountains all the way into the Pacific Ocean. I mean, that's, again, that's kind of miraculous and it's just given to us for free. Another one for me is music. I mean, to me, <laughs> music is amazing. There's no other force that so gets inside of you and makes you want to move and just uplifts your, your heart and your soul in such magical ways. I love the poet Rainer Maria Rilke, and he says this really well. He says, just truly being here is so much. There's so much to be grateful for. So once you've thought of a few things to be grateful for, then you can use the tool. And again, to remind you, this is the tool to use when you're in that negative loop of worrying, complaining, judging yourself or others all forms of negative thought, this is the tool that works to dispel that. So close your eyes and just start by recounting specific things that you're grateful for. Internally? Internally. And don't worry if it's a slight struggle to come up with new things. That's part of the tool. We're making your mind work in new ways. Now keep coming up with new things, but see if you can gradually get the feeling that there's much more to appreciate than you're usually aware of. There's goodness out there. That's step one. Now step two is feel your heart soften and open up, just like a flower unfolding to receive the light and warmth of the sun. Let the specific things that you're grateful for gradually fade away. And instead, sense the presence of a mysterious source that's giving you all of those things. You don't have to have a name for it or even understand what it is. You just have to feel it and receive what it's giving to you. Step three, feel that unknowable source of goodness draw near to you. Feel its presence, very close and intimate, like a soft breath on your cheek. And feel your heart melting with thankfulness. And as a final step, just mark this moment in the back of your mind. This source of goodness is always with me. Even when I'm no longer aware of it, it is aware of me and giving to me boundlessly. <sighs> How did that feel? Really good. Really good. Can you see how that actually dispels negative thinking? Because you are 
in a sense, kind of embraced by something greater than you. So even if bad things are happening, you don't have to go negative about it because there's this countervailing goodness surrounding you. And it's a good way to stay out of the hypothetical. Totally. This is, this is actually the most unhypothetical tool because we're actually creating a, an experience that's very real, but that most people lose touch with, especially in times mm. like this. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. Toomey has a soft side. Discover their new Acer bag collection in its pillowy pleats, satin finish, and crescent shape. Acer is the bag to carry for your 9 to 5 and the 5 to 9 plans that follow. Versatility, after all, is Toomey's signature. Shop the full Acer collection on Toomey.com or at a Toomey store near you. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. I would think it would be very hard to be a true atheist right now. I mean, I don't know what I am, but I believe in something. You know, I feel like a spiritual person. And I do believe that there's some, I do believe that the universe has reasons behind things. And and so I can believe in that. You know, I can believe in the myriad silver linings that are coming out of such a stressful, grief-filled time. Yeah. But I would think if you didn't believe that at all, that it would be even harder. Do you have patients that don't believe in God at all or anything spiritual? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do you t- how do you t- help them? I tell them, believe whatever you want. I'm not here to convert you or make you believe anything that you don't want to believe. But I do want you to have an experience that you've probably had before but haven't labeled it the way i'm labeling it as some something greater than yourself it might have taken place camping alone out under the stars it might have happened when you fell in love for the first time you know it could happen under even sort of trivial circumstances just hearing a piece of music and driving on the freeway there are moments where unmistakably there's something bigger than ourselves. And I, I, you know, it's, it's really beyond words. So if you object to that language, put it in your own language, but there's something greater than ourselves that's gracing our existence. And that's why I don't really engage on the level of belief. I, I think people should believe whatever they want to believe, but my job as a therapist is to give them an actual experience that expands their awareness and that is the antidote to all of that negative thinking that pounds through our day, you know, all day, every day. So again, to practice mastery during this period, you have to control the way you spend your time and you have to control what you think about. The third element is, and this is often the hardest for people is you have to control how much media you consume. Yeah. Most people are just binging on, on media. Don't get me wrong. It's okay to stay informed. But staying informed takes five minutes. For the rest of the day, there should be a news blackout. And the reason for that is that the media wants you to coming back 
over and over and over again. And they make everything appear as if it's breaking news, which is really just code for vital information that you need in order to save your life. <laughs> the truth is, you already know everything you need to know. And if there's something new, again, five minutes in the morning or in the afternoon, we'll do it for you. If you stop checking media so frequently, you have much, much more time at your disposal that you can use productively mm -hmm. to write that screenplay or whatever it is that you wanna, wanna do. There's another great quote on self-mastery by the founder of Taoism. His name is Lao Tzu. He said, he who conquers others is strong, but he who conquers himself is mighty. It's a higher good to be able to control yourself than anything else. And by conquering yourself, you mean the force to diminish the parts of you that are the more most base parts or the parts that are generating the negative thought? Exactly. It means that. So you are taking control over your own worst tendencies. We all have bad tendencies inside of us. But you're also taking charge away from the external authority figures that we invest with so much authority. No, need, no news means you're the authority figure, not the talking head. Mm -hmm. Making your own schedule means you're in charge of your productivity rather than other people or rather than your worst impulses. Regulating your mind means I'm not part of the herd mentality. I don't have to panic with the mob. Mm -hmm. After all, it's your mind. You don't have to panic if you don't want to. So what are the best tactics for sort of, I'm trying to just, you know, when I feel I'm in the kitchen and I'm like late for a Zoom call or something and I'm trying to finish lunch or like prep something, you know, it's, it's a whole different kind of, of stress and a whole different kind of busyness. And there have been moments where I found myself getting more irritated than I generally would. But what are those things that we can implement in the moment and then to sort of, you know, get back in ourselves? And then what are some of the tactics to exploring and unpacking what might be underneath those things, you know, that we're, we want to lash out or, you know, we are yelling at our kid or, or whatever. Look, we're in close quarters. We're with each other much more than we're used to. We don't have breathing space that we're used to and we're much, and we're on edge. So we're much more likely to get triggered more quickly by things that we would have just let pass, you know, in, in the past. I walk around ready, ready, to get triggered. And I think that helps a lot because if you know in advance that you're going to be triggered during this period, and trust me, you are, you're going to, you're in a much better position to use a tool to deal with it mm. before you create more damage. Right. So I don't wake up and say, oh, I hope this is a great day where I don't get triggered. I wake up and say, I'm gonna get triggered today. There's no question, I'm not gonna get triggered. I'm the most hypersensitive person that exists. I'm gonna get triggered. This is, this is what I'm gonna do when I get triggered. And what I've been using more than anything else is this tool called dust. Dust is a tool that essentially nullifies momentarily the outside world and the impact it's having on you. 
What it really does on a deeper level is it deals with the fact that we constantly, human beings constantly want the outside world to be easier than it actually is, more validating, softer, more reassuring than it, than it is. Really, if you want to tell the truth, human beings want the outside world to resemble a womb where we will be nurtured and taken care of without even having to ask for it or be conscious of it, okay? And obviously, that ain't gonna happen. You know, that is gonna happen under the best of circumstances, but it's certainly not gonna happen under these circumstances. So what I do the moment I get triggered is I cover everything and everyone in the outside world, in my immediate circumstances, with a thick layer of dust, okay? What that does is it renders the outside world non-emanating. Light is a symbol for what we want from the outside world. And dust says, I'm not going to receive that. I'm not receiving it now. Okay. The second step, that, so once you've nullified the outside world, it actually cuts down on the hurt and on the anger a little bit because it's like reminding yourself, oh, the outside world isn't a source for me anyway, so it's okay that I'm not getting it. The second step of the tool is even more important, which is that inside of you, you imagine that there's a fountain of infinite light inside of you, and all you wanna do is light up the outside world with that light, which may find its way into behavior or may not. It may just be an image that you carry around with you. But as I said earlier, human beings are at their best. They're, they feel more potent when they're in a giving, outflowing posture rather than reacting to the outside world. So what that tool does is it, it downgrades the importance of the outside world as a source for you and it relocates that source inside of you and allows you to put out more. The moment you become the source, you don't have to get triggered. Now, the second question is even more important, which is, you know, at the end of the day or when you get a break, how do you process everything that's going on? And what I do, if, you know, those of you who are familiar with the shadow, I can just sort of telegraph this. If you want me to explain more about the shadow, I can. Yeah, but, maybe just give sort of a quick definition of the shadow. Yeah. The shadow is an alter ego, almost like another personality living inside of you. And whenever you have an extreme reaction to someone in the outside world, it actually means that your shadow is having that reaction to you. So if it really bothers you that somebody is acting like a know-it-all, for example, what we can derive from that is that your shadow feels that you act like a know-it-all toward it, that you're not warm enough or empathic enough, that you're too didactic, that you don't show enough of your heart, maybe, okay? That's why when, I'm, when I finally get some time alone, I try to look at the times I got triggered and process them in terms of my shadow. So this person said this to me and I found myself getting really angry. What I do is I take the anger 
and I push it out in front of me and visualize that it's a separate person living inside of me, my shadow, and it's angry at me. And I ask it, why are you angry at me? And weirdly enough, I know this sounds woo-woo, but that figure will speak with its own voice to you. It's, it's actually amazing how real the shadow becomes when, when, when you visualize it. And, and what this that, is something that Jung developed? Yes, exactly. Carl Jung discovered the shadow. He discovered it in a dream that he had. He had a small candle in his hands and he was running away from a gigantic dark person behind him. And it was a nightmare. And when he woke up, he realized he was running away from his own shadow. The candle was casting a shadow and he was running away from it. And, he and the shadow is, is, is it fair to say that the shadow are the parts of us that we don't want to present to the outside world? That's exactly right. Exactly. The, so the shadow, shadow is us, but it's, we almost make that bifurcation by saying, I don't want anything to do with you. You're the one that's angry or too vulnerable or whatever the case may be. Exactly. And maybe it'll make it clearer if I give some examples. So if you grew up in a family that was always cheerful, like unhappiness is not allowed, we don't allow complaining, your shadow is going to be the part of you that is going to have all the complaints and is going to be maybe sensitive to injustices, is going to feel the unhappiness that you weren't allowed to feel because your ego wanted to fit into the family culture. In boy world, it's better than when I was growing up, but it's still not the greatest thing to be sensitive or to cry or to get your feelings hurt easily. So all of those qualities go into the boy's shadow. In girl world, again, it's better than when I was growing up, but it's still not great to be loud or aggressive or entitled or assertive. All of those qualities get pushed into the shadow and viewed as bad. Okay. I can't count the number of female patients I have encouraged to be assertive and who instantly have a problem with that's not going to be good. That's not good. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. They need to tap into their shadow who's capable of being very assertive. <laughs> okay. Got it. So sorry for the digression, but that's now. all right. That's all right. So, so you can see that the shadow has, very strong opinions about you and the way you have rejected it, right? And so that gets implicated in situations where you're with other people and you have a strong reaction to the other person. What's going on underneath as sort of like a parallel dance is that your shadow is angry at you. And that's often what's going on with anger that even at the moment you realize is disproportionate to the response. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, like, it's like you're really, really pissed and your mind is coming up with reasons why you're so pissed. But deep down inside, it's like, why am I overreacting to this? Right, right. That's always a sure sign that your shadow is pissed off at you and it's just kind of, it's, it's sort of like it's acting through you against someone else. Interesting. And you don't want that to happen because what happens is you then feel guilty for getting angry at the person and you push the shadow away even more because you didn't like your reaction to the other person. So what you want to do instead is look at the angry shadow and say, 
be honest with me. What are you so pissed off at me about? I'm willing to hear anything you have to say. So that's what you do after you are annoyed in the kitchen. You go to your somewhere quiet. Exactly. At the end of every day. And talk to the shadow. Exactly. Last year, I had the opportunity to list my Montecito guest house on Airbnb. This was part of a special project that Airbnb spearheaded to build connection and to make the world feel a little less lonely. It was such a pleasure to get to know my Airbnb guests over dinner and share my home with them so that they could rest and recharge on their trip. But typically, the beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Being a host on Airbnb is great for those who travel frequently, have extra space, or own a seasonal home. If you've stayed at an Airbnb, you know the unique experience it offers. And now you can share that same experience with others in addition to earning additional income on the side. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. Maybe a better way to demonstrate the shadow would actually be to work on your shadow. Okay. Would, are you, is that okay with you? Sure. So, so desperate times call for desperate <laughs> uh, We all want to know about GP's shadows. So. so, go back to what you were experiencing as stressful, you know, in the household. Okay. And tell me what you're feeling inside. You don't have to go into gory details, but just what is it that, that it's triggering in you? It's like a feeling of overwhelm and extreme like muscle tension, neck tension, jaw tension, and a sort of like heat up here and like an irritability. Mm. I feel like I am doing a lot more and I also feel like I should be doing so much more than I'm doing. And I guess Mm. that is predominantly where the feeling of overwhelm is coming from. Okay, perfect. That's excellent. Now keep your eyes closed and take that constellation of feelings. So there's overwhelm, there's too much responsibility, there's more than you can bear, and just push those feelings out in front of you and give the feelings a face and a figure that looks something like you, only obviously worse. Okay. Now imagine that this figure that you're looking at is actually living inside of you and has been living inside of you for your entire life. This is in fact your shadow, or at least one aspect of your shadow. Imagine further that she is feeling this overwhelm because of the demands and responsibilities that you place on her. So this is different from the outside world where demands and responsibilities are being placed on you. You're placing demands and responsibilities on her, and she's reacting to that. Now take a deep breath. And just apologize to her for stressing her out so much. And see how she reacts to that. Oh, she's... She's really stressed out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Empathize, empathize with her and take responsibility for the fact that probably for most of your life together, 
you've been stressing her out. You've been asking the impossible of her, asking her to perform beyond any human capability. She feels like she's calming down. Good. Ask her if there's anything that you need to pay attention to next time this starts up as kind of like a warning sign. Is there, or, or to put it another way, moving forward, is there anything that she wants you to do or to refrain from doing before it gets to this point as a preventive measure? She says, like, I'm not looking after myself. Like, I'm not looking after us. Like, I'm not breathing and I'm not mm. processing through stuff is what she's saying. Mm. Like, I'm not using my voice and I'm not, mm. like, I, I don't want to admit that I am under so much stress. Mm. And that's causing a whole extra layer of it. Mm. Now, ask her if there's something concrete and consistent that you can do okay. to stop that, to prevent that from happening moving forward. She says like, feel things as you're feeling them and express. And she's showing me like, <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but like yelling, like yelling into a pillow or yelling outside or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in other words, discharging the emotions discharging in, a, in like that. a harmful way, in a harmless exactly. way. Yeah. Right. Right. So do you understand this? I think this is a good demonstration for people to watch because they can see now what the shadow really is. You mm -hmm. know, it's, it's something that is going to come up in times of stress, but it's going to come up vis-a-vis -vis the outside world. Yeah. And the only way to really heal it is to envision it as part of your inner world. So, you know, I think you and I have talked about this, but you're a, I don't mean to be insulting, but you're an egotist. In other words, your ego believes that it can handle all kinds of things that it actually can't handle. You're actually too much for it. Yeah. So you don't look or act like an egotist, but you are vis-a-vis -vis your shadow. Right. Your shadow is the part of you that actually feels the pressure to live up to a standard that is actually inhuman, okay? Yeah. Which means that your shadow is essential to your mental and physical health because she knows the limits better than you do. Yeah. <laughs> your ego will say, ah, I can do that. Give me 10 more things to do, you know, kind of thing. Whereas your shadow is sitting there, what the fuck is she doing? <laughs> I'm already falling apart, okay? So just at a minimum, it's really good to check in with the shadow, you know, two or three times a day, maybe with each meal. Or Can you just talk a little bit about the tools quickly? Because I think right now it's, it's such practical, amazing information for basically coping through anything. Sure. Yeah, the tools, my co-author Phil Stutz and I, wrote the tools because we were experiencing four very, very common problems over and over and over again with our, with our patients. So they were coming to us with four very basic problems. And so we decided to write the book 
and organize the tools that we give around those problems. So a tool, just for those of you who don't know anything about it, is exactly like what Gwyneth and I just did. It's a, it's a procedure, it sometimes involves visualization, that, that shifts something energetically inside of you in a situation where you have commonly had a problem. So one of the tools in the book gives you the, the courage and the stamina to tackle things that you're avoiding, okay? You feel the avoidance, but then you use the tool and it blasts through the avoidance. Another one of the tools allows you to get over those hurts and injuries where we get into the unfairness of what has happened to us and we get stuck so that like three in the morning, we're still railing against the person who did something bad you know, to us. That's, it's a maze-like state of mind where you're just going over the same things over and over and over again and the tool lifts you out of that. And so on and so forth. The Grateful Flow, which is what I presented earlier, is another tool in that, in that book. So I, I pretty much guarantee you that all readers will identify with at least two of the problems. I have all four of the problems. So, <laughs> so do I. <laughs> very helpful to you know, And it also just explains our philosophy of psychotherapy and frankly of spirituality. It's a very practical kind of spirituality that, that works and that is about working to increase the spirit inside of you, not waiting for it to just simply you know, descend upon you. Accountability in your own yes. growth and responsibility. Exactly. I really, I can't recommend it enough. In fact, I'm going to reread it tonight. Thank you. Reread it with your shadow. I will. Barry, thank you so much for this. Oh, thanks for the opportunity. I, I always enjoy talking to you. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Barry Michaels. I highly recommend his books, Coming Alive and The Tools. You can also see more from Barry on our site at goop.com slash the podcast. That's a wrap on today's episode. If you have a second, please rate, review, and hit subscribe if you haven't already. Don't forget to share the Goop podcast with a friend. And in the meantime, for more, you can check out goop.com slash the podcast. <laughs>